You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. It's beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning let it pour Tonight we're in the groove together Ain't gonna worry about Stormy weather Gonna kick all trouble out the door. Beat out old trouble and drum. Beat out old trouble and drum. Beat out old trouble and drum. And kick all trouble out the door. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. And kick all trouble out the door. Kick him out the door. Kick him out the Welcome to Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast, so if nature calls, listen to the podcast. Fortunately, our normal producer, Kelly's not here. She's taking the week off, as you do when you're young and vibrant. And in her place, we have somebody who was young and vibrant, Joe M, how are you? Ah, yawn, yawn, yawn. Yawn, yeah, yeah, he knows me. He knows me. We've just been arguing. And in the studio... We've been conversing, Joe. We've conversing. Been conversing. In the studio, we have one of those people who everybody knows by their first name. Madonna, Mary, Kate, and we have Alexandra. Hello. Hello, Joe. <laughs> Relax. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Joe's here to protect. Oh, both other Joe's. Jo- Hello, yeah. both Joe's. Yeah, the other Joe's here to protect you, so it's fine. Now, usually we start off, Alexandra. I know you're a bit concerned about being on community radio 3CR, but we're going to make you a star. What do you reckon about that? We'll see. As long as we get 15% each. Is that right, Joe? Uh, 10. 10. 10. <laughs> What is a star? What is a star? A star is somebody who just sits there and glitters <laughs> and glows. A, me- a meteorite comes and burns out and dies. Now, Alexandra, what year were you born? 1990. What are you doing in the studio if you're born in 1990? How come you- <laughs> I know. Come I'm on. the youngest person you probably ever had no, on this we've show. Had, we've had a 12-year-old. Oh, sorry. And we've had a 99-year-old. Right. So you're I'm not, not special. <laughs> no, you're not special. You're what, 33, 34? 33. Well, can we crucify you as you're 33? Uh, no, not yet. Not yet. I'm not ready. You're not ready. I've got till the middle of the year to You've be got crucified. Till the of, all right, well, we'll see if we can get the ball rolling. So where were you born? Canberra, Ngunnawal country. Canberra. Yeah, the capital of this so-called country. No, it is a country. It's a sovereign state. It's a continent. Yeah. 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 It's surrounded by islands. Canberra. Yep. 1990. 1990. Are your parents still alive? Both of them, yes. <sighs> it makes it difficult. Doesn't it? <laughs> you can't slander them. Uh, well, they don't listen to 3CR. So. Yeah, but the program's <laughs> going to be podcast. Posterity. Yes. Do you have any little siblings? No siblings, no. Just you? Just me. And your parents? Just me and my parents. You were born and they decided that's it. Yep. Did you have wind when you were a baby and you cried all the time? Um, I was a difficult child, apparently. Why? Um, didn't like the sound of them eating. Mm-hmm. Didn't like sleeping. It was just a bit of a nightmare, I've mm-hmm. been told. I don't remember. Well, I was, I was told by my dearly departed mother that I was a bastard of a child, so <laughs> we'll get on well. <laughs> Well, how do we know? Well, maybe we had wind. Maybe we didn't like the food, you know? You got any food things you don't kind of... 
I still don't like the sound of people chewing. You don't? Great. No, <laughs> don't. <laughs> Hate it. Uh, yeah. So, two adults, one child in a house in Canberra. It's not an auspicious beginning, is it? No. <laughs> well aware. <laughs> Did you go to preschool? Uh, yes, I went to preschool. Any memories? <laughs> um, yeah. What am I allowed to say on this program? <laughs> well, you can say... I made my first boyfriend in preschool. Did you? That's all right. I That's forced normal. him. You forced him? <laughs> I forced him. <laughs> to be your boyfriend? Yeah, he had vibrant ginger hair and I just thought he was the best thing in the world. Did you? So mm. I forced him to be my boyfriend. <laughs> did he, uh, did he um, respond? Eventually. <laughs> Eventually. Yeah. What, did you give him a Chinese burn or something like that? I can't remember, but my dad gave me like a bit of a talking to for being mean to him. Ah, <laughs> you were mean. I was mean to him. And so you actually wanted to attract his attention and the only way you could do it is by being mean. I guess. Hmm. How about other kitties? Did you get all the other kitties? Yeah. Oh, good. I had friends. You had friends? <laughs> I had friends. And then you went to primary school. I did. What was that like? Um, it was okay. What do you mean okay? No, Canberra, yeah. centre of the universe, primary school. <laughs> no, like, strong memories, except for when the whole of Canberra caught on fire. Oh, that was good, wasn't it? Didn't it was it? good. There was, like, a like half-kilometre sort of circumference around the city of fire flames. That was pretty cool. But yeah. that's not to do with primary school. No. I just no. remember that being cool. Yeah, well, some people died in that fire. And lots of animals. Well, they evacuated the zoo. Did they? Yeah. Did you get to look after a tiger? I did not, sadly. No. Or a tigon or a liger. Considering you were mean when you were in preschool, I thought that would be a prerequisite to looking after a tiger. Well, my parents weren't open to having one in the house, <laughs> right. sadly. They had, one, they had one already. That was you, was it? Yep. Did you throw tantrums? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, I did. What, did. what did that entail? Um... Well, my mum said for about two years from the age of six, I wouldn't wear anything that didn't have polka dots on it. Uh-huh. So she had to get a marker and put polka dots mm. on all so of my what, clothing. You're, you're a Joan Kerner supporter. A what? A Joan Kerner supporter. Don't know what that means. Well, poor old Joan Kerner was the first female premier of Victoria, you know. usually not from w- Victoria. I, I know you're not. Can I finish? <laughs> Sorry. Can I finish my story? Please. Right? One day, one day in her whole life, she wore a polka dot dress. And for the rest of the time she was Premier, she was, you know, cartooned out of existence. Every time she appeared in a cartoon, she was wearing a polka dot dress. Was that circa 1994? Well, it would have been. Yeah, maybe maybe that was my inspiration. Who knows? Yeah, so you you only wanted polka dots. (laughs) Only wanted polka dots. I don't wear them anymore. I hate them now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, So when you were at primary school, did you have friends? Yeah, lots of friends. How come? (laughs) <laughs> you were mean in preschool. Um, I was mean in preschool. No, I so I didn't have any siblings and mm. my parents were kind of not around a lot. So I sort of adopted myself into other people's families and spent a lot of time at my friends' houses when I was growing up. Uh, or your parents' career bureaucrats? Um, mum was. Mm. Dad's a scientist. Mm. Tired now. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, it happens. It happens. I know. You Canberra. May, you may have just been an accident. So. Probably. Yeah. Who knows? A polka dot so, in the universe. That's right. That's why you <laughs> wanted to wear polka dots. Yeah. When you said, did you just kind of appear at people's houses for the weekend and nobody noticed you disappeared? Yeah, kind of. Like, um, so my best friend was half English, like UK English, half Chinese, mm-hmm. and lived with her mum half the time and her dad half the time, and her grandparents had a flat out the back and only spoke Cantonese, mm-hmm. and I sort of lived with them three days a week. I didn't pick up any Cantonese, mm-hmm. to my shame, but I would go around there just to hang out because I wanted the idea of a sibling. Right. and Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, it is. Yeah, just hang out with friends, kind of. Well, hang out with kids your own age. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, not having to deal with adults with their own problems all the time. So did you find in primary school you uh, excelled excelled at anything? Um, yeah, I was always pretty good at English, pretty good at history. Mm. Those were my special subjects, is yeah. that what you mean? I somehow um, 
I didn't like the idea of learning music, which I really regret. Mm. But from the age of like, what is it? Year 40, year six, or was it year three to six? Anyway, you had to learn a recorder. I somehow wagged those four, three years. I assume that's when you were staying at the uh, your, your friend's grandparents' flat at the back of the house. No, no. no, no. I, I don't even know where I went. Like, I think I just walked around the school. But in year six, at some point, my teacher, who thought my name was Gabrielle, right. um, called me and she's like, I've never seen you play. You need to do an exam. <laughs> and I was like, ah, why did I turn up on this particular day after not being here for four years? Um, what, you missed recorder lessons for four I, years? Yeah, I deliberately did not go to music class from like year three to year six. That reminds me of a bit I had when I was 18, <laughs> when I was working at Lysart Steel. I said to the uh, my friends, I said, I bet you I could walk around this factory for days and nobody will notice. Same thing, I got a piece of timber and I just walked around for five days and nobody noticed. Yeah, I still can't play the recorder. Why not? Because um, I didn't learn. I refused to learn. I don't know why. And so you, you failed the exam. I failed the exam. But she also put me down as my actual name, not Gabrielle, which was interesting. Because <laughs> she was I'm, positive that was my name. <laughs> I'm just amazed. I have, I've met a lot of people in my life, you know, my long life. But I've never met somebody who's failed the recorder exam. <laughs> I, I, mean, I also didn't get my pen I, license. I didn't, I didn't do the recorder. I, I got... <laughs> That was recorders as well, as far as music. I didn't um, have to do an exam. No, but you... Uh, we were e- exam, period. like play a song, whatever. Well, that's she right. failed. You didn't, I failed. You didn't I don't think to. I passed mine. Well, <laughs> no, that wouldn't have bothered with you, Joe. Basic year six, fail. So, I'm a failure. So how come you didn't get your pen licence? Because um, my handwriting was terrible and it still is. Well, you print. Um, no, I actually, I, I joined the words. I shouldn't. <laughs> no, just print. That's what I did. My handwriting is disgusting. But I, I like to join the words. The letters look better if they're joined together. Cliche. Uh, uh, the medical practitioner. Yes, anyway. True. Script writing. I didn't know you were a medical practitioner. No, you are. Oh, right. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot there. Oops. Are you sure? I could be lying about this. Who knows? Who knows? Like, uh, Have you, you got your pen licence? No, we didn't have it in my day. Doesn't matter about doctor's license, man. We didn't pen. have pen licenses in my day. Oh, well. You just did the work. If you didn't, you got cuts across the fingers. See? You see oh. the bent fingers? Primary school. Yeah. Oh. And you, they'd say, yeah, 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 try harder. So did you notice you had any um, talent regarding other things in primary school? Um, oh, in primary school. I mean, I liked theatre, I liked dancing. Those are things I did outside of school, did them sort of inside hang school. Hang on, hang on. You did dancing outside of school? Yeah. So you went to a dancing school? I went to dance school after, like, outside school hours, dance class. Why? Because I thought it was fun. Oh. Your parents approved? They did, and then... When they I never w- forgot you there one afternoon. Oh, fool. <laughs> <laughs> Many a time. It happens, I've walked it? home from the distance of like 10Ks from a very young age. 10Ks? Yeah. Canberra's a long, long strip of a city and I've walked home many a time because my mum and or father forgot to pick me up. Well, they they're busy. Think, they're busy people. They're busy people. They have better things to do. They have the world to save. Exactly. Well, that's the trouble <laughs> with talented people. You know, we destroy our children. Well. They are a sacrifice. Sure. We sacrifice them, you know. (laughs) You know, we sacrifice our grandparents and then we sacrifice our children. That's the way it works. And we get ahead and then we get a little badge. And if we're really lucky, we get an AO or something, which will happen on the 26th. And uh, all right, you finished primary school. What was the name of the primary school? Um, This is Red Hill Primary. Red Hill Primary. Was it on a Red Hill? Red Hill's the suburb. Is Red Hill on the There sp- is a real Red Hill oh, in yeah. Canberra, yeah. Yeah, that's the suburb. Yeah. All right. So you went to dance. Did you pick up any different types of dancing? Tap? Tap, no. Ooh, Ooh. I didn't like the sound of tap. I tried tap a little bit, but no, it was mostly um, ballet mm. and jazz ballet. Jazz um, ballet. Right. I know. <laughs> Gross. Um, <laughs> it is. I wouldn't do it now. Um, but yes. mostly ballet. And then when I got to about 14, so year eight, my Mm. teacher told me I had to either choose between having bruises and doing ballet. 
and I chose bruises. <laughs> I, I don't get that. Were you part of a sadomasochistic? Uh, no, no. <laughs> it's just uh, you have like, I mean, I played sport or like walked into a door or whatever, right. have bruises on your legs. And if you're trying to get to point, you're not supposed to have any bruises because right. she was also just a bit of a hard ass. So you were playing sport? Yeah. I used to play a lot of netball. Netball? Yeah. I don't get netball. Me, neither do I. <laughs> Can you explain what it... I mean, they just throw the ball at each other, don't they? Yeah, uh, pretty much. Uh, it's uh, like basketball without the running. <laughs> it's just extraordinary. I was watching a netball game in the country a few months ago and I'm thinking, what's all the excitement about? Then I watched their football team and I understood why everybody was watching the netball team because <laughs> the football team was woeful. Oh, dear. Oh, my God. We've just been waved to... <gasps> What have I done? No, I was waved to. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm the megalomaniac. You're the nice person. Okay. Well, I get it right. Now, high school. Where'd high you school. go? Hmm? Where'd you go? Tilopia. Sorry? Tilopia. Is that in Australia? Yeah, it's in Canberra. <laughs> yeah. Could you spell that? T-E-L-O-P-E-A-A. Was one A, sorry. <laughs> don't know why I doubled that. Where does that come from? Um, Sounds like Brazil. I don't know. Mm. It's just the name. It's yeah. it's a area. Yeah, area. Girls' school? No, it's mixed. 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 Boys and girls. Boys and girls. Public school? Public school. What, what, what's going on here? You got it's parents. A, you got parents who are you know making a bit of a buck, and they send you to public school. Um. Well, it's it's a weird school because it's like. In Canberra, you've got the three school system. You go primary school, middle school, college. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to Narrabunda. That was the final stage um, after a bit of a – we can talk about my expulsions in a minute. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, that's – Tilopia and Narrabunda are the only schools in the ACT that do French and English right. stream. I don't yeah. speak French. I didn't do that stream. But you get a lot of diplomats' kids because they do the IB. Yeah. So it's this kind of like IB International Baccalaureate. Yes. Baccalaureate. Was it Bacc- Baccalaureate. Yeah. yeah. So which is a you know you take your score yeah. and everywhere yeah. in the world yeah. it's the same you thing. Know, I went to Salisbury State High School in the sixties and they had a French and English. Okay. Yeah, but that was normal. He had French, English, or German. That was it. Okay. No, no Indonesian. Oh, this was like if you chose to do the French stream, like you'd learn maths in French. You do in everything. French. Yeah, it was like completely in French. I didn't do that stream. But that's they, insane. I know, but that's that's what they offered because it was some people had diplomats' kids in Canberra oh, and right, they right, had right. to do. The bloody French, most likely gave money to the school to do the stream. That, you <laughs> yeah, know, they're yeah, like yeah. cultural imperialists. Totally. Yeah, all right. Have you seen our passports? They're written in French and English. Our passports? Mm-hmm. What, the Australian passport? Mm-hmm. Yeah. French and English. I haven't been out of, out of the country for ages. So Doesn't matter. <laughs> I haven't looked at it. Well, that is something interesting. Because it, it is the. I did. Oh, you want to hear something really funny? Go on, Joe. This is hilarious. This shows you how old I am. <laughs> I went to the New Hebrides. You like that? Is that like inner? No, 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 New Hebrides in 1978. And. That's actually Vanuatu. It actually hadn't oh, got independence yet. And right. it was, it's what they call Codinium or something, I don't know. New Caledonia? Yeah. No, 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 no. No, this was Vanuatu. This okay, was, sorry. It was called New Hebrides, right? Right. But it was an English-French colony. Mm-hmm. So you go to the post office, there'll be an English flag and a French flag. <laughs> you go Wherever you go, there's an English flag and a French flag, and then they'd speak English and then French or French and English. It was just extraordinary. Finally, they cut the umbilical cord and became independent in 1979. Now it's called Vanuatu. They still speak English, though? And French. And French. Well, they... You've you got okay. to understand, the, the whole Pacific's <laughs> been colonised by the French. New Caledonia. Come on. Tahiti. Come on, come on, come on. Oh, you didn't do the French stream. I didn't do the French stream. Oh. <laughs> All right. Sorry. So, just tell us a few of these reasons why you were expelled. Was this middle school or? Okay, so I got expelled in year 10. What did um, you do? Wow. Maybe it's what she didn't do. <laughs> no, no, I, I headbutted my favourite teacher. Excuse me. <laughs> I, I went in for a hug. I was very drunk. I was accepting an award for the state 
debating championship right. <laughs> for captaining the team and I headbutted her and knocked myself out. But um, uh, it was meant to be a hug. <laughs> but I headbutted my uh, favourite teacher. How come you were drunk? I just, I'm not entirely sure. I can't answer that, to be honest. Uh, I, your drink wasn't spiked. No, no. No, it was, <laughs> no, no, it was all on me, all on oh, me. Yeah. So that would have been hilarious. Is it? Is it? On, on a video or something. Some no, <laughs> no, no. That would have been oh, 2006, so no. no. So how long were you out for? I don't know. No, 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 no not out. <laughs> out in terms of the school. Oh, well, um, so I, mean, I don't know what it's like in Victoria, but in ACT, 15, nine months, you can leave school. Like, And I was already 16, so they were just like, Get out. Don't bother. Yep. But then, because of the wonderful college, high school, middle school system, mm. I um I came back. <laughs> you came back. Came back to Narrabunda College after yep. a, a bit of probation, which uh. I spent walking around, gathering my thoughts, and um, this is this is where I discovered dance actually, because I had a fake ID. You had, is that how you got drunk? No. Well, that's one of the <laughs> You would need a fake ID. Yeah. Yes. But I, I spent that time walking dogs and walking. So Narrabunda is like on the border of Fishwick. I don't know if you know Canberra at all, but that's like the no, red light I district. I try not to know it, but go on. doesn't matter. Yeah. But um, so I grew up just on the border of that. And then I spent a lot of my time when I wasn't at school, which I had a lot of spare time walking around the red light district. And I was like, oh. Dancing, that's a thing. Excuse me, you went to the red light district <laughs> to learn dancing. No, no, I just, I was just walking around <laughs> at first. Right. Where you walk your dogs. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, you don't walk dogs around there. No. <laughs> There's nowhere for them to shit. shit it's yeah. just concrete. <laughs> just concrete. Yeah. yeah. Trust Sounds Canberra like Richmond. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, Canberra's at like lots of, lots of places for your dog to poop, but not in Fishwick. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So, so what's this thing about dance? Um, well, so I said, I had this fake ID because mm. I used to go out and, you know, go clubbing, that kind of thing. Um, they have clubs in Underage, Canberra. yes, they have clubs in Canberra. Unbelievable. Most, <laughs> I know. <laughs> They're all bad. They're all bad. Right. Um, the only good ones are gay ones, but anyway. Mm. Um, so I had this fake ID and I was wandering around and I wasn't doing anything because I'd been kicked out of school mm. and all my friends were busy and I was bored. And I got talking to some working girls and they were like, you should come in here. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I figured I had this ID that said I was 18 mm. and so I started dancing when I was 16. Uh, what type of dancing? Exotic. Exotic <laughs> dancing. Sure. So did uh, the bruising or the ballet help you out? More the ballet. More the ballet. More the ballet. Right. But... um. You know, it's it, it's its own. I mean, it's in the Olympics now. Pole dancing as a mm. sport. Mm. When, when did that start? Uh, last Olympics, whenever that was. It was the really? skateboarding and pole dancing officially in the Olympics. I oh, saw so you were pole dancing. Well, <laughs> yeah, eventually. Oh, right. Exotic dancing. <laughs> yeah, exotic, exotic, not immediately. Uh, <laughs> I worked my way there. You work your way. Exotic dancing. Yeah, yeah. Does, does that entail the removal of clothes? Oh does yes. It? Does it? <laughs> yes. Right. It does. And I was underage. So. You're underage. Yeah. Yeah. But nobody knew. No. Well, I had my ID, my trusty ID. Right. And you're still living at home. I was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was then. Yeah. But like, it was about a forty-minute walk. From the club to my house. Right, right. I'd get away with it. <laughs> so would people recognise you on the street? Because it's a small place, Canberra. It is a small place, but um, at that time, no. By the time I got to 18, yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I was like, mm. Mm. everyone had their like uh, stimulus check because it was like the GFC and... Everyone was kind of going out and it was a bit wild. And I was like, I don't think I need to be in the city anymore. Right. Not just for that, but also I actually, part of, I think the reason I took that job was to earn up a bunch of money to leave because I right. didn't want to be in Canberra. No, well, it's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> so you left at 18, did you? I did. I moved to France. That's interesting. You should have done that French stream. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I can't speak French. Couldn't then, can't now. No, hang on. Oh, this is interesting. <laughs> so what did your parents think about you moving to France? Um, Maybe they didn't notice? No, 
kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Um, nothing against them. They're lovely people. But, yeah, well, you that's know. right. We agree. Yeah, I, I just moved out one day and um, bought myself a ticket, packed some stuff and left. And we, I mean, we kind of talk two or three times a year. We're not, we're not very close. Nothing. No, no, no. But I'm just saying, um, yeah, all right. Maybe, maybe it was the right thing to do. You moved to France. Why France? I had the idea that I would be the next Josephine Baker. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, obviously it didn't work out. <laughs> Can you do things with bananas? She could. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Can I add that right. on there? <laughs> but jo, um, we don't want we don't want your moralistic <laughs> no, shit no, here. She did more things than just excuse me. Bananas. We don't want. She was a spy. Yeah, I thought I thought you wanted to be an Isadora Duncan. <laughs> No, I don't want to get decapitated. <laughs> you don't want to get decapitated? <laughs> no, thank you. All right. So you thought you were good enough to actually make it in Paris? I did become a showgirl in Paris very briefly. Right. Um, I did not speak French. Mm-hmm. This was a major barrier to working right. in France. Right. Following instructions. Uh, just generally chatting to people. Mm. I have a few words here and there. I can understand some mm. stuff. Yeah, but dans je n'ai pas pas français. No. <laughs> You only need two two things in France. You need a finger and you say, comme si, comme ça. <laughs> okay. like, it's like that. That's it. Point. That's it. Well, so it, how long did you last in France? I was there for in Paris mm. for about two months. Two months. And you realised you weren't going to cut the mustard. Well, three months was all I was legally allowed with the Schengen visa, Australian passport business right. anyway. But um, I met a girl and then I moved to the UK and then started dancing there. Dancing? Yeah. What type of dancing were you doing in the UK? Same. Exotic. <laughs> Exotic. <laughs> you, hadn't, you hadn't graduated to pole then yet? No, no, I, I could use the pole by then. You could do pole work. Yeah. How hard is it? Um, very. I mean, at, you know, I can support my own weight sideways at the he- height of my career. Right. I, I was quite strong. Right. Um, but also was training under like some Bhutto teachers and Excuse sort of me, could you explain that to us mere mortals? <laughs> Bhutto is like a Japanese avant-garde style of dance that um, emerged after World War Two, mm-hmm. which is kind of the inverse of ballet. In, in I mean, that's very a bastardization. Sorry to anyone that like is Japanese. But um, instead of having a turnout, you turn in, your body uh, sort of rotates inwards and it's this kind of grotesque form of how not to use the body to express horror um, as opposed to elegance. What attracted you to that form? Um, I started taking some classes in Paris with um, Gabrielle Marie Roti, who is also, she's working in France and the UK. Then I followed her along with my friend to the UK, and she's just a really interesting teacher. Um, right. That's all, yeah. Well, she's she Japanese? Nope. nope, she's English. English, right. Very much English, I think um, English-French, but she trained in Japan under, um, uh, what's his name? Well, you're the Hijikata's, only one. like, nemesis. <laughs> you're, you're the only one who knows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you've actually raised an issue. Oh, no. I know nothing about. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm impressed. I know a lot. Of, I know a lot. I've been to Japan many times, but I've never actually seen that type of dancing. Oh, you probably would have. It's um, uh-huh. like the classical iteration of it is a completely painted white nude. Yes, yes. Very, moving very, very slowly. slowly. But that's right. classical Bhutto. Right. Technically, anything can be Bhutto, mm-hmm. which is the interesting reason for that dance. There's no form. It's formless. But it has a sort of fascination with abjection and horror. Did anybody pay to watch you? <laughs> um, well, I was just uh, taking classes and doing workshops, so no. Right. But no. I, have, I have done some performances here and there over the years right. that are incorporating elements of Bhutto, but I wouldn't claim any of my work that I've made to be Bhutto because I find that kind of, I don't know, it's, it's not for me to take. Fine. Look, it's uh, 4.30. We're chatting to Alexandra. Uh, as we know, there's Madonna, there's Mary, <laughs> there's Kate, and there's Alexandra. Who's Kate? The, the future king's <laughs> wife. Oh, her. Her <laughs> and Mary, the queen of Denmark. Yeah. All right. You know, don't you want to be with those august people? No. <laughs> I belong in the gutter. <laughs> 
Oh. I know it sounds wrong. It sounds wrong, but like Diogenes. No, it's all right. you don't you don't belong in the gutter. <laughs> Nobody belongs in the gutter. Radio. The, oh, on, the only thing that belongs in the gutter is the heads of the rich that have been guillotined. <laughs> all right, so get it right. Sorry. You don't belong in the gutter. Not yet. Not yet. You, you Not may yet. you may get to that level and then you'll be guillotined and then your head will be in the gutter. Huh. All right, that's the way it works. Sure. All right, so you're ni- what, 19, 20 now? 20? Um, by the time I moved to the UK, I'm 19 yeah. and I'm working... In Soho, mm-hmm. which is like in where else would you work? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> You're an exotic Xanta. and the artists yeah. are in Soho. Um, and oh. across the road from the club that I'm working is a massive um, squat. Right. And so I eventually move myself in there mm-hmm. and become permanently, temporarily unhoused for the oh. next ten years on and off while I live in the UK. With or without papers. Right. Um, you lived in the UK with and without papers. With and without, good. yeah. It's the reverse they, to what people do here without yeah. papers. Yeah. <laughs> Did, didn't, they, didn't they raid all these exotic dancers in Soho looking for their papers? A few times, yeah. I, feel, I wouldn't be surprised, knowing the English. Well, some, sometime, luckily enough, every time we got raided, I happened to actually be a student. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, it just so happened I happened to be a student. Um, right. Worked in a bunch of places. Now, but tell us about these squats that you, you're in. for ten, It's a long time to be squatting. Yeah, well, not in one place. No. Obviously. No, no, no but I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a way of life. It's, how difficult was it for you in England? Uh, it really, it fluctuated. Um, at, at first, in that specific... Um, place in Soho which was like had it was a church and also a walkabout it was a horrible pub in mm. the UK called a walkabout but um it was like I think at least a hundred people living there it was a large premises mm. and then we moved on to sort of who's we um just various That's like collectives right. that I lived yeah. with right um, mostly Eastern European people is mm. where I s- tended to gravitate towards in terms well, of like my friends. Like could dance or what? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely some of them. No, just, that's just the friendship groups I sort of happened right. to make in the UK. Um, also lots of British people, but um, lots, of, lots of Eastern European people squatting. Mm. And um, yeah, in, I think it was like 2000 and maybe 14, maybe 15, they criminalised um, residential squats. Right. So up until then, we were often living in, like, you know, people's secondary homes and, yeah. <laughs> you realise all that comes from the Crusades. Does it? Yes, because what happened is when the men used to go off to the Crusades and, you know, die in the fight in the good fight. The good fight. You know, the good fight, you know, against the heathens. You know, um, they didn't come back. So there are all these empty houses. So there was that common law right to squat, just like the uh, rambling, you know, through the uh, yes same same common law when they when they closed in, enclosed the commons, mm. which was used by the serfs to make a bit of extra income. So there was that, and it also comes from the Black Death, when over forty percent of the population died. So there was all these empty places and you could actually move into these empty places and uh, if the owners didn't come back well you could claim them as your own so there is a historical precedent to squatting oh in i know I mean, not like here well i mean England. this country yeah. is kind of a squat but mm. complicated yeah. um definitely but it was also like a you know lots of people moving through who didn't have papers didn't have um any like legal reason to be in the UK and lots of activist circles and interesting um, people and benefits and this kind of thing. So if you're there for 10 years, what type of activities were you involved in, in the squatting scene or outside? In and out. Um, Well, I mean, probably the most, like, interesting, specific... um, organization I belong to is No Borders, which in um, 2015 was going over a lot to the jungle in Calais. 
when you have like the Syrian refugee could, could issue. You, could you explain to people what the jungle in Calais is? So Many Australians would have no idea. Okay, so um, when you have the height of the Syrian refugee crisis, um, a lot of people trying to, not necessarily just from Syria, from all over, lots of also Dafois and um, Afghans, lots of people. Um, it was, uh, Calais is the closest port to the UK from France, which is also the closest port to the UK. And um, you've got the ferry, but also the tunnel. And uh, it was just a refugee camp that set itself up semi-legally on the border of the road. And I think at its extent, it was like maybe up to 10,000 people. It was huge. Um, and the French police used to go in there routinely and, like, burn things down and it was pretty horrific. Um, and so a lot of people that I was living with would go over routinely to help, like, build houses and provide food and aid mm. and shelter and that kind of thing and entertain the children. I used to do a lot of dance classes with kids. Ah, this yeah. is in Calais. Yeah. Right. What was that like? Um, I mean, kind of heartbreaking but kind of nice. It was also like a... Um, one of the rare spaces within that environment that only women were allowed because it's a largely male um, population within a refugee camp. Um, And it's just nice to be somewhere that was kind of felt safe for them Uh, because, you know, like it was quite an extreme environment. Um, And... Yeah, it's, it's really, really sad when people are trying to, you know, every other night break into the back of a truck with their children to get across to the UK um, and often, you know, failing, coming back and living for months and months and end in this sort of nowhere zone. Mm. Um, so what's happened? Hmm? What's happened to this nowhere zone? Oh, long gone, long gone. Long gone, Like yeah. uh, when I was there, the last time I was there which would have been 2015, um, the French police literally burned it down mm. um, with, like, fire torches. Right. Yeah. Um, Dispersed people. Now, yeah. I've got to ask you a very important question here, Go youngster. On. Now, obviously, when you went overseas, you had an Australian passport. Yeah. <laughs> but, that, but that would have run out. What do you mean? I mean, it's got a use-by date. You've got to renew it. Yeah, well, um, hmm. so... Well, what's happened here? I mean, because you I've been going, deported. Is that what you want to hear? <laughs> well, this is what I'm trying to... You know, I'm just trying to fathom this out. I mean, you were there for 10 years. Your passport would have been... It's like you would have got the cheap passport for three years. No, no, I paid you, for the full thing. For, I had cash money. Oh, you paid for the 10... <laughs> from work. 10 years. Well, it, yeah. would have, it would have run out. Did it run out? It did run out, but I, um, I also... I renewed it and then I got married when I was 23, which was um, Mm -hmm. a failure because I got deported. Hang on, hang on, (laughs) hang on, hang on, hang on. on. Now, look, you are Alexandra. I am jumping around, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, that's all right. You are Alexandra. No, 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 no. You are Alexandra, so you can kind of, you know, expound on this because nobody really knows. You may not even be Alexandra. You may be. No, I am. (laughs) You are. So you got married. Was this a marriage of convenience? Kinda. Right. Was actually legitimately my partner, but did marry for visa. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kept both of our passports for like six months, deliberating whether or not he was a living person in the UK. And what do you mean he was a living? What is? Was he dead? Did you marry a dead person? No. <laughs> this is the. This is. <laughs> It's really like... The language they use. The language they mm. use, yeah. So, because we were both... Um, I had a... So I, with um, like my sort of... I put aside a bit of money mm. to have this art studio, which was our residence, right. basically. Mm. But it's also where we kept stuff. And it, whenever we got evicted somewhere, you know, sometimes 15 of us would sleep in the studio about the size of this room. Mm. Um, when well, it is cold in England. It is cold. <laughs> so yeah, that it's makes cold. sense. Sardines, sardines. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was our legal address, which was legal, but like mm. touch and go. Um, and we were both, you know, mostly eating out of bins and 
you know, like just like in a nice way, (laughs) skiffing. But yeah, so uh, because at the time my partner was Lithuanian um, and the UK was having a big furore about Eastern Europeans and migration and technically we applied for a European Economic Area Spouse Permit. Yes, and um, they denied it on the grounds that he wasn't spending enough money to be a living person in the UK, which he was. But he wasn't paying taxes. Um, No. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No. And So what did that mean for you? Well, we got this, well, we got the um, papers one day Mm. um, and... I could have probably taken it to court. It wouldn't have cost that much and gotten them everything to go through, but we were having a lot of arguments. The relationship wasn't doing very well. And my one of my best friends um, had very, 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 very bad psoriasis. Mm-hmm. So I decided to take the voluntary deportation. Deportation. Yeah, that's not deportation. Well, no, no. you have 48 hours to leave the country by your own choice. Yeah, you're not deported. You were never deported. It was voluntary deportation. That's what the paperwork said. Well, no, you were never never deported. I don't know. 48 hours seems like a really short amount of time to decide whether or not it was. Well, well, so where did you come come back to Australia? I did not. They kept me in a cell because I refused to let them send me to Australia because I thought at 23... I don't want to owe the British government money, three thousand pounds, to send yeah. me to Australia. Like yes. this feels cyclic. I'm yeah. not doing that. Um, so I had them send me to Germany, mm-hmm. which is where my friend was. I paid for my own flight, which is nice. I don't owe the government anything. anything? Right. <laughs> um, Apart and from all those back taxes for all that work you didn't <laughs> declare, but we won't talk about that on this program. <laughs> What's the UK's problem? <laughs> yes. Um, so, so my friend had very, very bad uh, psoriasis, mm. like on her eyelids, yeah. everywhere, and yeah. her mental health was just shot to shit. Mm. And um, one of the the best places that you can go, she was British. Um, so some countries in Europe uh, happily send people to the Dead Sea. Yep. When they have this, and um, UK gives you uh, radiation therapy and pills, mm. and she's like, "No, please, no." Um, so I picked her up, and we moved to Palestine for three months to live naked on a beach near the, near the uh, Dead Sea. On the Dead Sea. On the Dead Sea. On the Dead Sea, like every right. day, swam in the Dead Sea. Were other people naked on the beach? Or was it just pretty much two? everyone was naked except the random like rabbis that would come through and so like soak and float with their hats on? Yeah, yeah. can't explain those people. Right. So what's it, what's it like? <sighs> okay, so the day we arrived um, in Tel Aviv, because you can get it. We were thinking like we didn't necessarily want to go to Israel because mm. of you know it was 2014 was issues, um, but. It was much cheaper to fly to Tel Aviv from Budapest. We got a flight for 30 euros. Mm-hmm, Whereas if you bad. wanted to go to Jordan from anywhere in Europe, it was hundreds. Right. So we took the cheap flight. Um, and we arrived on a day in the Jewish calendar called Purim, which is like Halloween, kind of. Yeah, yeah. But there was like, we, we, hadn't, we didn't know. And we arrived and everyone's dressed up like... I think some of them might have been soldiers, other than were dressed as soldiers, and other people were just like jokingly parading around with guns and fireworks in the middle of the street. And I'd never been to the Middle East, and this was just mm. like, whoa. Um, like cars driving wildly into like literally inside of shops. It was like Purim is a time in Tel Aviv that's just quite insane. Um, and we didn't have anywhere to go and just our bags. So what, you wandered down to the re- <laughs> No, we just walked down to the, we, we walked down to the beach. Yeah. We just walked down to the beach yeah. in Tel Aviv and sat there until someone was like, um, gave us some, some tips basically. We, we actually met a soldier who had just like absconded mm. from the army, as yes. they do, and he told me where most of the soldiers go when they... Um, Abscond. Yeah, 
from their service, um, which I don't know. It's it's occupied territory. I don't know the Jewish name. It's Mitzvishalem, but uh, it's right on the very northern part of um, the the Dead Sea. You walk down a cl- sort of cliff face, um, and then there's a bunch of semi-permanent people living there, largely oh. naked for most of the year. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> bunch of some old hippies, some old strange people, but um, it's like three hundred, nearly three hundred meters below sea level. Yeah. So in terms and, and of some strange young people too, young and old. Yes, some people now, mostly made of salt. Mi- can I ask you the million-dollar question? <laughs> Go on. Was your friend psoriasis cured? Yes. After three months, she she had this. She was wearing this ring the whole time, actually, mm. and she took it off, and she was like, I don't know, t- five, six, seven shades darker. And after that, she hasn't had an episode like that ever again. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. 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 So how long? Three months in Palestine, and then what happened? Um. Well, three months, and then you have to go because that's mm. as long as your visa yeah. allows you to stay in. I mean, it's an Israeli visa because mm. we arrived in Tel Aviv and there's no such thing as a Palestinian visa. Um, but, you know, I went all over the place. My my, my friend just stayed there. Mm. I travelled because I, I studied medieval history mm-hmm. in London. So I was really obsessed to go to Jerusalem and Jericho and around and around. So I was travelling a lot. She just stayed by the sea mm. to heal herself. Um, and yeah, after three months we left, but they made us stand on this pillar. Um, it was like an interview tactic of like, why have you been here for so long? What were you doing? Getting rid of my, my friend's psoriasis. Well, that's what I, that's what we said, <laughs> but they, they separated us and they didn't understand because they, they asked us so many times, like, are you an artist? Are you a musician? And we were like, yes. And they're like, okay, have you been owning money here? And we're like, no, but they just made us stand on this little pillar with our elbows, like together yeah. for about six hours yeah. in yeah. front of everyone at the airport, which is yeah. very yeah. embarrassing. Yeah, it's, it's a modern-day stock. Kind of, kind of. I'm going to ask you something, because if you're a medieval historian, I'm very interested <laughs> in this, especially being in Jerusalem. Yes. The Children's Crusade, did you look into that? Um, I was asked to. <laughs> but you didn't. I know what it is. Any of them arrive in Jerusalem? No. Exactly. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Turkey was about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Ah, interesting. And so you know all the history of the uh, the attacks on Jerusalem, the medieval history. The the the. Yeah, I mean that was that was my sort of like passion degree mm. in a way, mm. which amounted to nothing. Um, later on, I went and studied dance in London, but um, the. The medieval history degree was kind of like partly a, I mean, I just, I I wanted to study history and that made sense at the time because I didn't feel connected to much of the history here. Yes. Because I'd left at a young age and wasn't, you know. I wasn't thinking. No. (laughs) Yeah, medieval history. Well, look, what year did you come back? I moved... Well, uh, <laughs> there's a story. Yes, there's so a story. many stories. Um, <laughs> no, no, what year did you permanently come back? Permanently came back in 2019. 2019. 2019. And, and that t- tattoo you've got? This one. Yes, it was, where did you get that? Got that in Istanbul. Istanbul. Yeah. Ah, so it's cheap <laughs> getting tattoos in Istanbul? Um, no. <laughs> not Constantinople. Not. Uh, yeah, it's. <laughs> um, so there's three underneath that. Yeah, I, I did notice it was a little bit... <laughs> it's uh, a lot a darker bit, over here than it is, is over the, here. Uh, I said, well, why don't you do that in Istanbul for? Um, so I'd been travelling with my partner around Iran and um, talking to lots of Kurdish people. And then we were in Kadakoy, which is the Asian side of Istanbul. And I got talking to this 13, 14-year-old who said he was... Um, he's a refugee... And we're talking on the street and he said, I'm becoming a tattoo artist. And I had this really horrible ex's name tattooed across my shoulder. So I said, do you want to have a go and cover this up? 
Um, and I let him, and it was fucking horrible. <laughs> so I paid for somebody to cover, cover over it. that kid's work. <laughs> well, what do you expect? I mean, it reminds me when I... And you couldn't <laughs> see it being on your back. It reminds, no. <laughs> it reminds me in 82, and I was in India, and we were put in this car with my late wife and from one town to another, and the driver was 12. Oh, yes. Was he a good driver? No, it was terrible. (laughs) Could he reach the pedals? Not really. That was the problem. So it's the same same principle. You You don't get a kid to do. He was so sure, though. He was so sure. Yeah, because he was 13. Like you were sure when you were Refugee, very confident. So when when he came back in 2019 and and we were waiting for you with open arms or were there arrest warrants? (laughs) Um, Definitely not with arrest warrants. Um, But yeah, I came back in 2019. And I moved to Melbourne because I had some friends here. Had. I like that. Had. had. I still have. Sorry. All oh, right. But a, lot, a lot of them were like friends that I had from Europe, from other places mm. who have since moved on. Mm. Um, have made new friends here. But the reason I moved here was for people that don't live here anymore. But um, And because my fiancé at the time had just died. so That's not nice. No. Was it expected or? No. It was an accidental overdose as far as right. I'm aware. But because right. we weren't legally binded, I wasn't allowed the autopsy report. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, so again, not living in the UK forever. Um, that sounds really like bleak and like paper orientated, but did love him. Um, and moved here and decided I would be here for a while. I'm never sure how long I'm going to stay, but I'm here now. <laughs> but what, what, what brought you to 3CR? You. Not me. Come on. No, 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 no. <laughs> She's a convincing liar. I'm not. Obviously, obviously it was the dole or something, yeah. dull work or something, is it? They no? don't pay me to be here, Joe. I know you don't get paid. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, a lot of the actually, um, there's a lot of, a lot of the anarchist circles that I sort of move in in the UK, some of them are aware of your program. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I, 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 I first realize, heard you from the UK. You realise the anarchist world this week, and I, I know people go, because I don't like skiting, is the number one anarchist radio program in the world. That's what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> so I'm responsible for <laughs> no, you coming you are, you are I'm, not pay, I'm not paying any fines. Not paying any fines. All right, sure. And how about your dancing career? How's that going? Um, I mean, it's, it's touch and go. I have, um, so I did an audition in 2005 and then started studying 2006, 2000, um, till What what type of study? Um, for contemporary dance at Trinity Laban, Mm -hmm. which is like one of the top schools in the UK. Um, so I'm semi self-taught, dare I say. Well, that's the best way. Sure. Um, and I'm, I've always been a bit like, um, you know, my credentials as a dancer are odd um, because of my history. Um, But I can dance, do dance, but I've also broken my spine twice during COVID. Where? What level? Um, Thoracic 7 till 12. How'd you do that? First time um, was a seizure. Right. And second time I fell down the stairs like a tumbleweed. Yep, yep. And it was within about 11 months, so that was still kind of... Well, you realise you could have been one of my patients if you became <laughs> if <only>. paraplegic. <laughs> well, they told me I would be and they were just upping my fentanyl and being like, you've got to have the surgery, you'll never walk again. And both yeah. times I checked myself out of hospital and just went, fuck it, yeah. and walked out. Mm. Um, so my own dancing... I'm not sure. Like I don't, I don't do any more pole or anything like that because I just, I don't have the the grip because yeah, yeah. I have a lot of um, nerve so, damage. So are you, are you looking for some professional work? I am looking for professional work, but I think I'm going to have to sort of make it myself, make yes. my own work is yeah. the only way to really mm. do this here. I I just actually graduated last year from VCA with a degree in dramaturgy, which right. was my backup plan mm-hmm. um, for not being able to dance myself, mm. um, which is all well and good, but also 
I don't know if there's a career in that for me well, here. There, there, is, there is a career. <laughs> I keep, I've told you this, Alexandra. That's why you're on this program. Okay. <laughs> there is a career because you've not only have you got talent, you've got experience. Mm-hmm. Before you just had talent. <laughs> now you've got life experience. Because I met you. And supposedly, no, 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 supposedly no, no, you've got no, no, qualifications, no. supposedly. I've got lots of qualifications. Yeah, sure. but yeah. like the, the only way out is to set up your own drama dance school. Drama dance. School. Hmm. I don't like teaching, though. Oh, well, then, we, then we're going to have to find <laughs> you some gigs. We're going to have to work. Have you, have you got a routine? A routine? Yeah. Are you going to ask me if I have a sparkly suit next? No, no, I'm just asking if you've got a routine. Because <laughs> I do. Oh, you got a sparkly good, and you've got many. a routine. You've got many sparkly suits and a routine. Mm, I'd have to bring them out of, like, the catalogues of history, but sure. <laughs> have you got any uh, videos? I've got a couple. I've made a I, – I had one um, residency just before COVID as soon as I moved here that I had um, – and then, yeah, everything sort of went to shit and then I broke my spine twice, so... But you are able to dance now. I am able to dance. I'm able to walk. I can talk. I can't sing. Oh, well, we sing. know you can talk. I can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> can you blow bubbles? Poorly. Poorly. Right. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> so what are we going to do? What are you going to do? I mean, you've got all this talent and, <laughs> and what will happen is you'll get old and then you'll say, if only... Well, this is the thing about Buto yes. to go back to that. So Hijikata stopped dancing when he was 98. Right. So there's never an excuse. Well, no matter how deformed or decrepit or disgusting mm. you get, mm-hmm. you can always dance. So does anybody do this Buto in Melbourne? Yes. Yes, yes. I've Yumi seen, I've seen Buto performances yeah. and stuff. Yeah. There's Plenty some big stuff. Yeah. Yes. I'm not quite on that level and it's um, like I've trained with her a few times but there's... There's definitely a palette for it and there's definitely people that are interested. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's not necessarily where I want to be personally because I'm mm. not a Japanese dancer, Japanese no. trained. But um, I understand the idea that it's not about the health of the body necessarily, dance. It's just about movement, Yep. which is its own thing. Have you got your own style? I'm working on it. I'm working on it, Joe. Because that's what you need. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm only 33. <laughs> <laughs> but you can be crucified soon. Any day. <laughs> Round like a record. Oh, no, no, no. You've got your own style. You know, you've got a lot of experience in terms of it and you've got life experience to go with it, which most people don't have because they go to work from nine till five and pay their taxes. Oh, and I've never paid taxes, <laughs> never had a real job. <laughs> That's <laughs> well, why I don't want to give my last name. <laughs> exactly, and that, that's what I'm saying. Look, I think I think you've got a great career ahead of yourself. I really do. You know, I, I sometimes you meet people, and you think, well, well, nine to five, and sometimes you meet people and you think, what a waste, and sometimes you meet people and you think, they could do something, and I reckon you're one of them. Thanks, Joe. No, I mean it, Alexandra. I mean it. Well, the hour's up. I know. Unbelievable, isn't it? We filled it. We didn't even get to talk about my cat. Well, I don't have one. No, we don't want to talk about your cat. Well, well just before we finish off, I'm uh, an only child too, so it's been fascinating hearing your story and the <laughs> solidarity with what your journey has been. Yeah, echo. Well, I'm not an only child, no, obviously. <laughs> well, Joe M, thank you for uh, stepping in for Kelly Whitworth. It was a, I don't know if it was an improvement, but you're uh, same <laughs> level, same level. And Alexandra, nah, thank you for the, coming it's in. It's the interview, it's the person that you were talking to today, Joe, thanks, that Joe made and the Joe. program. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> She's yes. made fun of us. She said, thanks, Joe and Joe. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's the way it is. You, no, should see, you should see the smile on her face. No, no, no. it's yeah, all good. Yeah, it's not real. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Alexandra. Thank you very much, Joe M. And mm. don't forget, you've got to have your picture taken by Joe M so you can uh, be podcast. Okay. Thanks very much, folks.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.